everyone to another edition of the Why Not Us podcast. Talking the NFL today live from Austin, Texas. We got the entire squad, including Mike Resser, Mason Gross, Adam Glick, and yours truly, Josh Spade. How are we feeling today, boys? Fantastic. Can't wait for football today. Yeah, we got an interesting Thursday night game with our boy Davis Mills making his first career start. Probably going to be shaky against Carolina's top defense this year, but we'll see. Yeah, he's struggling on Sunday. Doing incredible. Josh is here with us live. Pretty exciting. No better way to kick things off by talking a little football. Yeah, and obviously you've got a big week ahead. Why don't we start off with a big game for Mason and I, and in general for the NFL, the Chicago Bears. They are traveling to Cleveland to play the Browns. These teams have been kind of brutal over the last 12 or so years, but there's a lot of promise for both of these teams. Personally, I think that especially having Browns with Odell healthy, although Jarvis Landry's on the IR, this game might not be too much of a contest. Justin Fields might get exposed. What do you think about that, Mason? Well, the Browns' defense going up against them, it's no easy task, right? And this is Fields' first career start, but he is built for this type of moment. He loves the bright lights, and he loves being hated on. We saw what he did against Clemson in that national semifinal game. And we know that, yes, this is the NFL, but Fields is electric. But the real question about this game, is the Bears' defense going to show up? And if we do, then it's going to be close. But if not, then we could be looking at the Rams all over again. Yeah, the spread has moved from 8.5 to 7. There's a lot of money getting thrown on the Bears, especially since Andy Dalton was ruled out. Justin Fields ruled the starter. Very interesting there. I have to agree with you, Mason. Justin Fields bring a, brings a totally different dynamic to this uh, Bears team, and I think the entire fan base is just jacked up to see him finally get his first start. I think, I think just, uh, I think he's going to show up at that stadium in Cleveland. I could see, uh, I could, I could see him pulling it off in the end. Wow. I think the Browns steamroll and it's not going to be even close. <laughs> I love the Browns to roll by double digits. Double? Oh, wow. Now that you said that, it's going to be a close game. But should be a, should be a big game. Noon slate. Looking forward to it. Let's talk an AFC South game that has always been a close one. We've got Colts-Titans. It might be a close one if Carson Wentz is starting. But if it's going to be Brett Hundley and that's the way things are looking now, this should not be a five-and-a-half-point spread. The Titans are going to run all over the Colts. When they played last season towards the end of the year, Derrick Henry carried the ball, I think, over 30 times and for nearly 200 yards on his path to 2,000 last year. This Colts defense is not improved at all. They're 29th, I believe, against the pass so far. And this could be where A.J. Brown finally breaks out. That would be great. Also, it's... Brett Hundley and not Jacob Eason, that's been announced. Brett Hundley has taken the majority of starting reps in practice this week. And uh, they haven't named a starter yet, but that is how it's looking right now. If if the quarterback room was a little bit healthier than it was, Sam Ellinger would probably be starting uh, this uh, our guy from Texas. But quarterback room in, uh, in Indianapolis has taken a big hit uh, for the start of the season. And, uh, yeah, if it's going to be Brett Hundley's time to shine. I don't know how well he's going to shine, man. It's... Yeah, Brent Hundley is not going to be shining on Sunday, and that is for sure. I think the Titans, coming off that monstrous comeback win against Seattle last weekend, going to fill off that momentum, and they are going to – is this game in Tennessee? It is in Tennessee. Yeah, home fans, 
exciting crowd, good atmosphere there in Tennessee. I think they're going to roll as well, just like the first game we mentioned. Yeah, I agree. I think we all remember how disappointing that first game was against Arizona, that great comeback win against Seattle last week. I definitely agree with you on the momentum front. I would love to see Derrick Henry do some ridiculous things in back-to-back games, and also A.J. Brown is due for something huge. Let's talk about another really interesting game. I believe this is in a 3 o'clock slate. No, it's actually the, tw- the they put it at noon. They, put oh, it they have a lot of confidence in the Chargers. Then the LA Chargers visiting Kansas City spread has dropped quite significantly. What is it at now? It went from eight and a half to six and a half. Oh, it's even less than the Browns. Which I got it at eight, which I'm very excited about. The Chargers have been very good history against this Chiefs team. Actually, a couple years ago, Keenan Allen caught a two-point conversion in the end zone, down 14 points to Patrick Mahomes. The year they tied for the division. I like the Chargers to lose this game by a field goal. <laughs> that is a bold take. <laughs> um, the Chiefs are going to win this game by six because we all know that they always win but never cover. They, they didn't are, win last week. They did not win last week because Bum Edwards a lair, but we discussed that on our last pod. We don't need to get into it again. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's – you say it might be a trap game. I think it's this not is – It's not a trap. I, I don't know. The Chiefs and the Chargers may have had some close games in the past. Chargers are coming off a tough loss to Dallas, but they're used to it. Yeah, their their defense is honestly going to do a decent job against Kansas City. I think that's one thing they definitely got going, and their offense is fine too. I just think that you know Andy Reid is in the locker room with Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, and the guys. They might even switch it up, get Daryl Williams some more reps. They're going to throw the ball a lot in this game. They're going to get a lot of big plays, and honestly, I can see them winning by double digits. I mean. As much as I would love the Chargers to stay around in this game, I just think that the Chiefs are angry after that loss to Baltimore where they easily could have won that game. And they're at home. And they're at home. Big deal. I'm going to have to agree with Adam on this one, though. I can't, I don't, I would not call this game necessarily a trap game. We know how talented this Chargers team is despite their absolutely heartbreaking loss uh, to the Cowboys. But um, I still think the Chiefs will roll in the end. I think it's going to be close to the touchdown, though, as well. All right. Good stuff. Another instance where we have a backup quarterback. Dolphins going to Vegas without Tua Tagovailoa at starting quarterback. Jacoby Brissett, we saw him towards the end of their game last week, losing 35-0 to Buffalo. Now they have to go to Vegas, who is arguably the hottest team in the NFL right now. I personally think that this is going to be a nightmare of a game for Dolphins fans in what looks like it could be a really atrocious second season of having Tua in this roster and just in general. I think the Raiders are an incredible team right now, and they're going to pick this Dolphins defense apart. Yeah, I mean, Derek Carr, he's playing better than he has, I think, his entire uh, career at uh, with the Raiders. And um, I'd, I'd have to agree with you. They're, they're, on a, they're playing another level right now, and Dolphins, they're going to be in shambles for a while until their quarterback situation gets figured out. Um, I, I, I love the Raiders in this game as well. They're, uh, they're going to be a team to, to watch down the stretch for sure. I will say Jacoby Brissett is a much better quarterback than people give him credit for. And now he gets one of his top weapons back in Will Fuller the fifth. Combine him with Devontae Parker and rookie Jalen Waddle, tight end Mike Gusecki. He's got his fair share of weapons to work with. And this Raiders defense, it is improved, but it is nowhere near elite. So I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think. Vegas only has the spread as Raiders minus four. Really? Yeah. That's surprising, right? In Vegas? In Vegas. Four? Four. Somebody like, knows what? something. Yeah, they, they have to know something. 
I think the Dolphins keep it close, and they might even have a chance of winning. It's oh. not like Jacoby Brissett is Brett Hundley. He was a starter in this league, and he's led his teams to victories with the Colts. And now he's got a chance with the Dolphins, and he's going to have a full week to game plan against a very susceptible defense on a team that is kind of due for a letdown right now. They're riding high, but momentum is not always sustainable in the NFL, and we've seen that, and that could be the case with the Raiders. Yeah, I have to agree with Mason, actually. All indications would say Raiders going to steamroll the Dolphins at home. That environment, the way they've been playing, probably the hottest team in the NFL right now. But I have this weird, sneaky suspicion that this game, the Dolphins could upset the Raiders. Jacoby Brissett, as Mason alluded to, gets all his weapons back, gets Will Fuller fit back. He has people to throw to. He's a kind of a veteran quarterback by now in the NFL. I just have this weird suspicion that the Dolphins are going to maybe pull one out in Allegiant Stadium. Wow. Is that your hot take for the week? We'll, we'll see. I might have a later hotter take. See how it goes? Yeah. And because of the identity that the Raiders have like, found now, people are kind of underestimating how poor their defense is. Their defense is very, very vulnerable. And it's and we'll, very young. It is. It is. And we'll see if Jacoby for a second take advantage with the, the weapons that he has back, obviously, with Will Fuller now. Um, but I do like what they've been putting together on offense right now. They finally seem to have an identity that's working for them. Yeah, and we all know that Tua was the guy that the Dolphins went out and got. But you have to think, especially since they've got Jacoby and Brissett, in this depth chart, you alluded to the fact that he has started an NFL game. He's virtually a veteran. If this is going to be a guy that goes out and shows out for the Dolphins, who have not had a ton of success out of Tua, could we possibly see him taking over that starting role if he has a nice performance in this game? He is going to need to throw the lights out. This is Tua's team to lose. It's not like Tua has been horrendous. Jacoby Brissett would have to go career mode for that to happen. And that's nothing that he's really done in the past. He's more of a game manager, and I don't know that the Dolphins are going to throw a game manager at the helm at this stage in Tua's career. Yeah, I agree. The, the Dolphins uh, coaching staff—they're still been—they're still bought into Tua. They—they they know how talented he is. They just—he uh, just needs to show it at this point. We'll see what he does if he can uh, when he comes back healthy. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a game that just suits Jacoby Brissett. Clock management, I think, is going to play a key role in this game. And uh, long term, though, I think Tua is still the guy for the Dolphins. It's too early. So say he's not the guy. They have to give him a, a more chances, I think, at the helm. He hasn't had a Zach Wilson type start to his career. <laughs> no, that is uh, definitely something we can agree on. He just hasn't done anything super flashy yet. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about a team that there is an entire fan base of people out there thinking they should be two and zero. Unfortunately, they're zero and two. It's the Minnesota Vikings. This has been a game that has also historically haunted them. Hosting Seattle, we all remember that Blair goal, which is ironic, coming off of the fact the Vikings just missed a 37-yard field goal to lose the game. Absolute brutality against Arizona. Russell Wilson has looked good, but Seattle is coming off of that tough overtime loss that they gave up that lead Tennessee last week. Do we think the Vikings can pull out their first win, or will they be winless through three weeks? I think this is something we've been saying every single week with the Seahawks, and I'm going to say it again. This is going to be a shootout that comes down to the wire. Both teams have dynamic offenses, lackluster defenses, well-coached, great quarterbacks, great weapons on offense. It could easily come down to who has the ball last and who is going to make their kicks. (laughs) Jason Myers missed an extra point last week, and we all know what happened with Greg Joseph. So this game... 
Honestly, I think it's coming down to the kickers, and we'll see which one performs. Figure seven performs well for the Vikings. That's for sure. Yeah. So I, if that's the case, then I'm going Seattle. I think Seattle's going to win this game. It just seems like to me the Vikings get so close that they can never pull it off. Very similar to the Chargers. We <laughs> yeah. knew that. We knew that was coming, but they look good, the Vikings, and yet they're still 0-2. The Seahawks. They've kind of taken the opposite direction. A lot of close games, a lot of shootouts, as Mason said. But they've been winning these games. And they have the veteran leadership on the team. Pete Carroll, their head coach, also Russell Wilson at the quarterback position. I really like this team. Tyler Lockett had a huge game last week. We'll see if he can make it three weeks in a row, something he has not done, I think, in, throughout his career is consistent weeks, week by week. So we will see. I like the Seahawks to win another close game, maybe another missed field goal at the end by the Vikings. Yeah. I think you definitely alluded to a good point there that I was going to go into. I think both of these teams have very strong receiving cores. We've seen a lot more of what may be the WRQ in both yeah. of these situations. you got Tyler Lockett going crazy, and Adam Thielen, I believe, has three touchdowns through two weeks. DK Metcalf is going out and getting his share, but definitely not exploding. And same with Justin Jefferson, who had an incredible rookie year. I think this might be the game where that switches for both. As you also alluded, I think that Tyler Lockett has a difficult time consistently going. And as much as I would love to see him have another stellar week with Russell Wilson here, I'm not sure if he can have three straight weeks with burner 60-plus yard touchdowns. Seattle's going to you know, maybe have a little bit of a tougher time here getting that. But DK Metcalf could get going on that end, and then Justin Jefferson as well. Yeah, I just want to point out, even though the Vikings are 0-2 right now, I don't think anybody's counting them out for the season long term, especially in this game too. I mean... That fan base and that team knows that they, they should have won those first two games. Heartbreaking overtime loss to the Bengals and obviously the missed field goal uh, last week. Yeah. Um, everyone knows how talented this Vikings team is. I think they could be one of those teams that's kind of left maybe dead in the water right now but could arrive um, later on in the season, maybe starting this game. Yeah, I definitely think they're the best 0-2 team out there, and nobody will disagree with the fact that they're very talented. They're also in what looks to be a uh, shakier than usual NFC North, so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. All right, let's jump to what is likely the game of the week. The Tampa Bay Bucks are going to the LA Rams. Seems like the last two times these two teams have played, they have been really interesting games. I remember when the Rams were electric in 2019, they played against Tampa, and Tampa, out of nowhere, was getting defensive touchdowns. The Rams' offense looked completely out of sync, and a lot of questions were asked of Sean McVay out of that game. This time around, the Bucks are the reigning champs. The Rams have, Sam, have Matt Stafford and, you know, the same Sean McVay swagger. This game is back in SoFi Stadium. Who are y'all picking? I've got the Rams. Brady doesn't have Antonio Brown this game, and that's a big deal. Whenever Brady doesn't have all of his weapons and goes against an elite defense, doesn't tend to work out for him. I'm going to get on this a little bit more in the captain staff segment, but this is going to be a lot sc lower scoring game than people might assume. Yeah, I have to agree with you, Mason. And it's, I think it's an understatement to call the Rams an elite defense. They're the best defense in the league. And uh, I, um, I agree. I, don't, I think Brady's going to struggle hard in this game as, as diehard of a Brady fan as I am. <laughs> Uh, the Rams' secondary defensive front, they're two of the best uh, position groups in the nation. And um, I, I can see the, uh, the, the Bucks' offense struggling big time, especially in the run game. And I would not be surprised if Brady throws one or two interceptions 
to that stout uh, Rams secondary. We'll see. We'll see where they can make of it, but I also like the Rams in this game. It's going to be tough for Brady to get the ball downfield in this game because he's going to be under pressure by Aaron Donald, Michael Brockers, and that elite front. And honestly, they've got Jalen Ramsey in the secondary too. It's going to be a lot of short dump-offs from Tom Brady this game. Look for them to get their running backs, Leonard Fournette, Giovanni Bernard even. Ronald Jones, not really a passing guy, but look for them get some targets in the short field, maybe some Chris Godwin. But Mike Evans is going to be shut down this game. Gronk, I think, is going to be shut down this game. It's going to be very dink and dime for the Buccaneers offense. Yeah, and I, I really like the Rams to win this game, as the both of you just alluded to. I just think that the Bucs is missing A.B. Their secondary has looked big-time suspect so far throughout the first two games of the season, letting up a lot of yards through the air to Prescott and Matt Ryan last week against Atlanta. I think the Rams, they're going to, they have the advantage in the running game as well. Daryl Henderson and Michelle split carries last week. They ran for over 100 yards combined. I think that's a under the radar stat to keep an eye on. If Henderson game. plays, though, if he Henderson, is questionable. Yeah, he is questionable. But I think everything favors the Rams in this game. They're at home, SoFi Stadium in LA. They'll have a full crowd that they didn't get to see last year. I think. The Rams are going to win this game, and I would be very shocked if Brady can pull off another miracle, it seems like, in his, this late in his career. Yeah, honestly, between everybody being so high on the Rams and everybody saying that this just can't keep going for Brady, but it's I'm going to take will. Tampa yeah. because it somehow will. It doesn't matter if Brady doesn't have A.B. He's used to not having A.B. He's got plenty of other offensive weapons. And this Rams defense is fantastic, and they're gonna. It's gonna be a very close game for sure. But you know what happens in most close games that Brady has down the stretch? He wins them. He, wins them. he mm-hmm. finds a way to get the ball with a minute, minute thirty left, and you know that you're screwed if you don't have more than a touchdown lead. And this guy just consistently goes out and gets his lion's share. I have talked to Adam about this a few days ago, but I think that this might be a year where we don't see. Brady going back to the Super Bowl, and frankly, I think the Rams have a better long-term chance, but this might be one of those losses for the Rams early in the season that teaches them to be that long-term team. I just think that in the short-term, Tampa's got what it takes. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Rams long-term, and Adam brought up their offense, because this is a Rams offense that I don't think anyone's used to under Matt Stafford. He's playing at an MVP level right now. It's a little early to talk about the MVP Ooh. race, but but he is playing up to that level, uh, in my opinion, and um uh, he can do some dangerous things to this uh, Bucks defense that everyone, including myself, uh, is very high on. Um, I still don't pick the Rams to win this game, but it's, again, it's Brady. We know what he can do in these games. I, I don't not, think anybody will be surprised. Not at all. Not at all. I wouldn't either. It's going to be such a game. I cannot wait. All right. Sunday night football. Another great matchup. You got Packers 49ers. Are the Niners real at 2-0? I know we got a segment coming out about contender or pretender, but are they good enough under Jimmy G through two weeks to beat Green Bay, who, as we know, has some question marks with Aaron Rodgers? No, they're not good enough because they're a run-first team with no running backs. It's that simple. They've got a fine defense, but they're going up against Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Jones, who had a four-touchdown feast last week. This is different. The Niners allowed over 30 points to Detroit. This is the Packers, who put 35 points on Detroit last week. Yeah, and I think the, I, I, I agree with you, Mason. I think the Packers hit their stride. I think they ended all this conversation about the Rodgers issues in week one. Um, 
And this is a 49ers offense that I have to agree with you. I have a lot of question marks about uh, in the passing game um, as well as the running game. For some reason, they just haven't been able to find a way to get George Kittle involved in the offense like they have in years past. Uh, they, get, they got a lot of things to figure out on the offensive side of the ball in the run game and the passing game. I do like the Packers. I think they hit their stride, and uh, they'll be able to keep rolling off a big momentum shift last week. Jimmy G is going to need to throw for over 300 yards if the Niners are going to have any shot. Because who's their running back going to be? This dude named Jock Patrick? He's the only healthy guy, and he was like an XFL star. Let me tell you, Mr. Jock, this is the NFL. This isn't the <laughs> XFL. So watch out. I think this game is really interesting because I'm not really high on either team. I know the Packers looked pretty good last week against the Lions, but they played the Lions. Let's remember that. And the week before, they played the Saints. You're not supposed to have that incredible of a defense, and they absolutely shut them down. So I'm not taking a lot away from the game last week for the Packers. I want to see how they play in San Francisco. But at the same time, I'm not high on the 49ers either. When you have a running back in Elijah Mitchell that you're starting, they're, he might not even play. He might not even play. Jamal Hasty well, might, might not even play. Uh, who are you, you going to have? Jock Patrick. Jock Patrick, exactly. I've never heard of that guy. I don't, is that a real person? I don't know. But the thing with the 49ers is, can they score enough points? And against the Packers, I feel like they're going to have to score. And I just don't have the confidence to do that. Spath and Josh and I just talked about the line, minus three, rather interesting. In the 49ers' favor. How are they favored in this game? But they as Vegas know, has to know something. Yes, as Mason talks, like someone has to know something. So I don't know, but I like the Packers to win this game. But it's going to be really, really close, and I'm not high on either team in particular. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to believe the Raiders being a four-point favorite against the Jacoby Brissett Dolphins is Vegas knowing something. I think the 49ers being a favorite is all about this Rodgers speculation as to whether or not people don't think he's proven himself through two weeks, especially because they played Detroit last week. And honestly, you can look at the track record of Green Bay playing San Francisco over the last few years. Rodgers going back to where he played college. He destroys this team time and time again. I mean, it's, it's just an issue of whether or not he can, you know, prove that in a situation where he's got all these question marks around his head, he's got his boy Devontae Adams, they got Aaron Jones. I think, honestly, I'll say again what I said on Monday, it doesn't even have to be about Aaron, about Aaron Rodgers' performance. Give the ball to Aaron Jones 20, 25 times. He's probably the best offensive player they have. If you can do that and you can stop the 49ers being able to run with whoever they put behind center and their backfield, then I don't see why Green Bay loses this game. But Vegas probably knows something. I agree with you, Space. I, I think a key a key for the 49ers in this game is you have to find a way to get guys like Granite and George Kittle somehow involved in the offense, which they have not been able to do. And that's why I'm as I agree with you all that I'm confused about this line as well. They do not seem to have the identity on offense that they might have had in years past, led by a, a stout run, uh, rushing attack, which they clearly obviously do not have uh, this upcoming game. So uh, we'll, we'll see what they can do, but I do like the Packers in this game. They are longing for the days of Jeff Wilson Jr., who's coming back week seven, so watch out. Oh, my God. They have so many different running backs in this offense that go down with injuries. It's, it's sad, but it's just ridiculous how many names they can print out on paper. All right, next segment for the show. With the exception of Tampa and L.A. Rams, since we already talked about them playing each other, there are five other teams that are 2-0. We're going to go one by one and discuss whether or not we think each of these teams is a contender or a pretender. 
I think we'll start off with the Carolina Panthers, 2-0 after wins against the Jets and the New Orleans Saints with Sam Darnold under center. Mike, contender or pretender? I'm not ready to call the Panthers a contender yet. I love, love, love what Matt Rule has done with this team. I do think they are building exactly in the right direction that they, they should be for the future. Um, I do think Matt Rule is the guy in Carolina to take the Panthers to that next level. However, I do not think they have the roster needed yet to be a contender long-term this year. But they're a team that nobody, nobody is going to want to play any given Sunday. Mike, tell me what pieces the Panthers are missing right now. You can't do it. I still have questions about Sam Darnold. I don't think he is – he has looked good. He has looked good. I just don't think he is ready to take a team and stretch him in late into the playoffs. If we're talking about contenders long-term in the playoffs, I don't think Sam Darnold is going to be able to do that this year. We'll see how well he develops into the offense long-term, and I think he very well could under Joe Brady and Matt Rule, but I just don't see it happening this year. I think he will. He exposed the Saints last week, and that was his second game in this new system. He's got the talent. He's got the weapons. And McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, watch out for Terrace Marshall Jr. eventually to emerge. He's got the weapons. And this defense for Carolina has been elite for two weeks. Yes, it's against the Saints and the Jets, but they've got all of these young pieces who have really stepped up. And their schedule is nothing to be desired. They've got Houston, Dallas, Philly, Minnesota, Giants, Atlanta. And they don't really have a tough stretch until the last four weeks of the season. This team, going into these last four weeks, could easily be like 9-4 and four in my opinion. I wow. think the Panthers are a huge sleeper team this year. And they will be making the postseason. So I believe that the uh, waves are about to crash onto the other side of this podcast in which... Adam and I have a different take about this Carolina team. I am not ready to believe anything until Carolina plays somebody half decent. And that won't start tonight when they go and play Davis Mills and the Houston Texans, who are arguably another bottom five team. And honestly, as much as I love Jameis and what he did week one, the Saints might not be that good either. It might have been a big fluke game against the Packers where they just went out and played well against a team that had absolutely none of their ducks in order. You know what? I would be happy to see Sam Darnold succeed in the NFL, to be on a new team off the Jets, do something great. I think they have a great offense. I love Matt Rule and Joe Brady. I'm just, I really need to see more because they're an eight and a half point favorite in Houston tonight. 80% of betters are on that. I think that's a complete trap, but you know what? They might go out and blow out Houston, and everybody's just going to continue to pile in. And then when Carolina starts playing a legitimate, talented team, they're going to get kicked to the curb. And that's what I'm expecting, and I'm going to chalk them up as pretender until they can prove me otherwise. I will bet any one of you right now that the Panthers are going to be above 500 after Week 10. They have an easy schedule, so no. So my personal opinion is they are a contender in the fact that I think they're going to sneak into the playoffs in that 6-7 seed range. But at the same time, I'm calling them a pretender because they're not going to do anything if they get to the postseason. As Josh mentioned, easy schedule, I think. I'm not high on the Saints. I don't trust their receiving core other than DJ Moore. You lock him up. You look at the stats. Darnold is not throwing the ball to other than DJ Moore than McCaffrey. More, they are, each have 14 catches so far this season. The next closest, I think, is Robbie Anderson with six. 
So I don't he trust four actually. He has four. So exactly my point. They have no other weapons in the receiving core, in my opinion. I don't as Mike talked about, I don't trust Darnold at the quarterback position long term in the dog days in December when you're trying to get a playoff position. I haven't seen that from him. I know he was on the Jets. It's a different story in Carolina, but I think to even tonight against the Texans, it could be, as Josh talked about, a trap game. I don't think they're in a cover. I think they'll sneak by with a win, but I'm not high on this team. But the thing that think makes them a contender is because of their defense. They're going to be in every single game because they don't give up a lot of points. And in the NFL, if you play defense, you're going to have a chance in every game you play. Adam, I do love that take. I love I do love them being a contender for the playoff. I do think they, they will sneak into the playoff when it's all said and done, given their uh, – their manageable schedule, but they are absolutely a pretender for the Super Bowl race. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about that, but they're making the postseason. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I could see this team building out some more young talent all around, getting Sam Darnold to be a very well-experienced quarterback, and they could be fantastic in a few years. We're just nowhere close to that. And I think they will be. Matt Rule and Joe Brady, they're both something special here. Yeah, exciting stuff coming out of Carolina for the first time since Cam Newton was there. Let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals, arguably the most electric offense we've seen through two weeks. Kyler Murray is putting up video game numbers, had 400 yards flat last week. You could argue that they did not deserve to win that game, but I don't think that has much to do with their offense, a lot more with their defense. Let's start on the other side of the room. Adam, pretender or contender for Arizona? They're definitely a contender. I think they could win the AFC West, or the NFC West, excuse me. No way. I think they can. Over the Rams? Yeah. Over I agree. the Seahawks? I agree. I think they can. They're talented. They're talented. I'm on the Kyler bandwagon, but they're not better than the Rams. I'm not saying they're better. I think they could, at the, when it's all said and done, they could be a better record and win the division. At 12, 12, 13 win range, I think when these teams play each other in the division itself, a lot of splits are going to happen where each team takes a game or so from each other. I love this offense. Kyler Murray is incredible to watch. They have so many weapons on the offensive end. Rondell Moore, the ability that he has made in the first couple weeks, just absolutely incredible. And oh wait, they have DeAndre Hopkins as well for Kyler Murray to throw to. And another guy I love, very under the radar, Christian Kirk. Big fan of him. He's a fantasy under the radar guy that you can put in that flex position every so often. But this offense is awesome. The question marks on the defense. They should have lost last week, I know, but... I think they're going to win double-digit games, no, 100%, and they're going to make a push in the playoffs. I totally agree with you, Adam. I mean, there's only a few question marks that I see on this team. Uh, mostly having to do with the defensive side of the ball, but also in the running back room. But Kyler Murray is so dynamic enough that he makes up for that run game with his legs, and he can take this offense to levels unseen before. And uh, I, do, I do agree. I think they're a contender as well. Um, I can see him making a run not only for the playoffs, but for the Super Bowl. Wow. Yeah, I don't know about the Super Bowl. I think Arizona is definitely one of those teams, similar to Cleveland and a few others that have been developing for a few years now. They've got their young talent really built out. They go out, they make a great trade for DeAndre Hopkins before last season. Honestly, I'm in the same boat as both Adam and Mike here. I think that Arizona is kind of an opposite situation of Carolina for me, where I'm seeing a whole lot of reasons why they should be a contender. It might just be seeing them against a stout defensive team with a good offense like the Rams that make me feel a little less optimistic about them. But for the time being, I don't see another offense that has this many weapons. I think Kyler Murray, as you alluded to, Mike, can definitely be every single component of this offense, running and or passing. He's proven that he can go out there and get it. I think that their secondary is probably their biggest weakness on the team. We've seen that their defensive line can go out and get 
sacks when they're not being guarded Chandler well. Jones, Chandler Jones obviously is a monster. So, frankly, I do think Arizona has just as good of a chance as anyone, including the Rams, of winning the NFC West. I think that that division is absolutely loaded, and I would not be surprised if any of those teams won it. I'll say this. I'll say this. I know Colin Murray I might be considered the MVP favorite right now, but don't count out Chandler Jones. He puts up, keeps putting up sack uh, numbers uh, like he is. How I'm, many I'm sacks serious. did he have last week? Uh, I don't think he had a sack last week, but he still has five in the season. Okay. From that one game. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Let's talk about a team that has that defensive prowess that we've seen in the past. The Denver Broncos, now led by Teddy Bridgewater. What are we thinking about this team? Pretender or contender? Mason, why don't you start off this one? So they're in a tough division, right? You've got the Chiefs, Chargers, and Raiders, who are all very, very good teams. And then you also have some tough games coming up against Baltimore. You're in Pittsburgh, in Cleveland. I don't really know. Um, Bridgewater has looked great for two weeks, but he's that game manager type of guy. And he did it against the Giants and Jacksonville. And don't get me wrong, he's going to do it again this week against the Jets. But he's going to have a bit of a rude awakening when he plays Baltimore and Pittsburgh the next two weeks. This is another team that I feel like could go 9-8, and eight, maybe sneak into the playoffs if their cards are played right. But I'm a little bit more worried about them than I am the Panthers because I feel like Darnold has a lot more upside. There are a lot more weapons on offense. And the Broncos' defense is on the older end. The Panthers' defense is a little younger. So... I would call them a pretender just because we don't know what we're going to get with Teddy Bridgewater. We don't know what we're going to get with the defense once you go through the gauntlet that is the AFC West. Yeah, I, I, li- I like that take, Mason. I do. I am somebody that does love this Broncos defense. I am considering them a pretender uh, nonetheless. They have so many questions on offense, in my opinion. And that those will show once they face a good defense uh, for the first time. Um, but they're the definition of a pretender team, in my opinion. They could sneak into the playoff race, I think, led by that defense, uh, which I'm really high on. Um, but I can't see this offense carrying them past uh, um, to many wins against some stout defense that they'll be soon to face. Yeah, and I have to agree. I think they're a pretender based on just the gauntlet they're, they're going to have to go through, not only in the AFC West, but what they have coming up. They play the Ravens, Steelers, Raiders, Browns, Washington's in Dallas, that's going to be a brutal stretch. And then you're going to get worn down playing the Chargers twice, the Chiefs twice, and the Raiders twice, who conceivably all could win double-digit games this year. It's going to wear them down. I don't trust their offense enough. I don't trust Teddy Bridgewater being their quarterback. Their defense is very stout, very good. Going to give up you know low 20s every single game. But in the end of the day, I think they're going to be around 500 and miss the playoffs. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I definitely think that Denver is a pretender. I see a lot of commonalities between this offense and the Panthers' offense. I think that you know they've got a good amount of talent there. It's just really a question if they're a few years away or if they're ready for action now. The only difference between them and the Panthers being that I think the AFC West is probably a top two, definitely a top two division in the NFL. And the fact that they have to go through that, and unlike the NFC West, when any of those teams could really break out, I think there's a bit of a hierarchy and definitely having Kansas City and Vegas towards the top and Denver and LA towards the bottom end of that. But all those teams could go above 500, so it is going to be a gauntlet of sorts. I am curious to see, really, as Mason, you alluded to, same kind of thing. When they go up against actual talented teams, K 
can they perform? Teddy Bridgewater has been putting up ridiculous numbers, but hey, it's been against the Giants and the Jacks. He's a and, game man. And this week they're playing the Jets. They're exactly like Carolina in that they're starting off their season with three pretty cupcake games that they should be winning. No one's expecting them to not win these games. Let's see what happens when they go into games where they're expected to lose. If they can win those, they will switch over to me for contenders. All right, let's talk about a team that has also been quite fiery lately. Some big wins the last two weeks. They were an underdog in both of those games. The Las Vegas Raiders, of course, that wonderful Monday night opener against Baltimore in week one, and then last week going to Pittsburgh and not really having too close of a win in Pittsburgh as well. Mike, let's go back to you. Contender or pretender for this team? Yeah, I mean, we talked about them earlier. The Raiders are a really interesting team for me. I do think they're playing the best ball that they have under John Gruden. Um, but they still have a lot to figure out. That defense is very porous, as, we, as we've already talked about. They do finally have a good identity on offense. Derek Hart's playing better than he ever had in his career, in my opinion. Um, so I, I do have high, pretty high expectations for that offense uh, for the first time in, a, in quite a while, to be honest. Um, but nonetheless, uh, I think they are extremely, extremely volatile on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they will get taken advantage of, advantage of, especially in the division that they're in. Um, we talk about the Chiefs. Um, so I, I can't see this, this team um, making a, a run. I, they might sneak into the playoffs. Um, I do like them. I like what they're building. Um, but they're going to get exposed uh, down the stretch, no doubt. Yeah, I agree with you, Mike, because I really don't see where the talent is on this team. Yes, Derek Carr is playing at an MVP level through two weeks. But the Raiders have had no resemblance of a running game, and the teams are going to start keying in on that. Once they could figure out how to defend Waller, I get it. He's a top three tight end. He's proven to be unguardable. But the Raiders are going to need, A, a running back to step up, and B, a bona fide wide receiver to step up. Whether it's Henry Ruggs, Hunter Renfro, Brian Edwards, it needs to be somebody that Derek Hart can rely on other than Waller because teams are going to key in on him. And like you said, Mike, that defense is porous, so they're not going to keep him in any games. Derek Carr is going to need to play at an MVP level every single game for this team to make the postseason and be a contender. So I'm going to call him a pretender. Yeah, this one's tough for me. I think it's the toughest of the pie that we're going over. I do like this team to win in the 9-10 to 10 range and contend for a playoff position. I don't think they are legit, though, so I'm going to say pretender. As of right now, they've looked really, really good. So far this season, I do think they'll still win on Sunday against the Dolphins. But long term, I don't trust their defense. They made a couple of additions. They added Gus Bradley as their defensive coordinator this offseason. I just don't trust him at the helm. I don't trust the experience that they have on the defensive end. And they have a couple of additions, Casey Hayward, Littleton, Max Crosby at the end. But... Overall, I think they're going to get exposed. And as Mason talked about, they have no running game. And teams are going to start keening in on that, and they're going to stop their big targets in Darren Waller. They're going to shut down Henry Ruggs. I think eventually the Raiders are going to have to run the football effectively, and I just don't know if they're going to be able to do that. Once again, I am going to play contrarian. I think this team's a contender, but I think it is important that we highlight what the actual definition of that is. On Monday, when we talk about this Raiders team, we looked at their schedule for the first half of the season. It is quite easy. They could easily go 6-2, and two, maybe even 7-1 and one through those first eight games. 
Their two of their biggest challenges are already out of the way with Baltimore and Pittsburgh. I honestly like this team to have a very strong record, 10 or even 11 wins, solidifying their spot in that wild card, maybe even the top wild card. But when they actually get into playoff mode, as we've seen down the stretch of NFL seasons, as we've seen in the playoffs, John Gruden may not have what it takes to really bring this Raiders team to great heights. I do think that they have a lot more talent than y'all are alluding to. Josh Jacobs has had a tough start to his career, but we all know that he's got a lot of firepower to break out. And that offensive line can get that for him. Derek Carr has been playing off the charts, and this team has been playing off the charts. I definitely think that he will eventually revert back to the mean, but he doesn't plan on coming down from Earth anytime soon right now, especially with the rest of the games they've got ahead of them. I like this Raiders team to be a solid team coming into the playoffs, but it'll be a question of whether or not they can actually win games once they get there. And you know what's funny? Because I feel like around this time every year, we all end up talking about the Raiders as either contender or pretender. And they always end up disappointing later in the season. But I do agree with you, Space. I think this team is a little bit different than years past. Maybe they're a little more talented than, uh, than uh, we've known for the Raiders to be. However, I can't see them getting it done down the stretch in the playoffs. We'll see if they can squeak in when it's all said and done. Yeah, and I mean, one last thing I'll say. I know, Mason, you were saying that they need to have a receiving threat step up. They have one. His name is Darren Waller. And you say, okay, lock down Darren Waller. They went to him 19 times against That's not Baltimore. sustainable. You can't do that every week. Well, he only needed 10 of those catches. And what was the stat line? It was so ridiculous. Like, you, you say you can't do that every week. Okay, maybe you burst open down the sideline with Henry Ruggs. Brian Edwards catches a good pass for 15, 20 yards. Like, they have really good, talented guys. They're young. They're a few years away from being really explosive threats, but I, don't, I think we need to stop sleeping on these guys, and we need to consider this team to be a team that can win week in, week out. That's my take. All right, lastly, we touched on them a bit. Let's dive a little bit deeper in terms of their long-term performance. The San Francisco 49ers, our last 2-0 team, contender or pretender? Let's go back to Adam for this one. I think they're a pretender. I mean, we've kind of, I think, talked about it when we did the pregame, the preview with the Packers game. I don't trust their offense. They have no running game. They have a bunch of running backs, but no running game. It's just a bunch of people that Josh talked about. They print names, but you've never heard of them. And I don't. I think their division is just so hard that they're just going to have a tough time winning football games. They're going to play the Cardinals, the Seahawks, and the Rams six times, and that is six of their seventeen games. And quite frankly, I don't think they can win any of those games. Wow. So. I think they're not going to make the playoffs. I think they might even finish under 500, and I think they're going to lose on Sunday to the Packers. So I, I have no faith in the 49ers team. Who is this team? I have no idea. You pride yourself on your defense and allow 33 points to Detroit. You pride yourself on being a run-first team, and you're starting Jacques Patrick this week. And if you can't run, you can't play defense, you got to throw the ball. And who's your quarterback? Jimmy Garoppolo. And what did they do in the offseason? Took Trey Lance with the third overall pick. Nothing about this team makes sense. I really don't know how they're 2-0. Kyle Shanahan is some sort of genius because with the pieces that he's working with, it doesn't make much sense to me. Nick is a beast, but losing Jason Verrett for the season, that's just such a huge loss. And I think once this defense realized that the offense isn't going to put up the points, we're going to see something similar to what happened with the Bears last season where the defense just kind of gave up, and then it could get pretty ugly. 
Yeah, I mean, talking about this offense is so hard because the, the, these guys, I, I love the receiving court, but for some reason they just haven't been able to get guys involved that should be uh, incredible playmakers like Debo Sam, like George Kittle. Like, we know what they can do. Uh, but for whatever reason, Jimmy Garoppolo is just not capable of doing it, at least this, uh, to start the season. And they pride themselves in the run game. They're not going to have a run game this year. They're, they're way too riddled with injuries in the in the running back room. There's there's no way this, this offense is going to find the type of identity they need to be carried by a defense. I agree. I agree with all you guys. This team's a pretender by every stretch. Um, th- this team's going to get um, mauled whenever they face good defense. Good defenses. I don't think uh, that, I don't think anything about this team is good enough to carry them uh, long term and down the stretch. Yeah, honestly, I think that it would take quite a bit of a turnaround for this Niners team to play a significant role in the NFC West. They might be able to piece that together with their defense, maybe getting some of the running backs back, being healthy, and Jimmy Garoppolo plays out of his mind like we saw him do a few years back, and maybe Kyle Shanahan can get that going. But that's definitely a lot to ask for me to strike them as a contender would be pretty tough. I'll put them down as pretenders. I think that they're close to, but not in the same boat as Carolina and Denver with their first two games. Detroit obviously was a nightmare of a game that they should have held on to a massive lead in. And then the Eagles, I don't think are a super stellar team. So this week will definitely be a huge test for them. I think that, you know, the spread makes it a little interesting. But as I said, I like Green Bay in that game. They might even expose them and I don't think anybody would think about them anymore after that. I'll say this, though. I'm excited to watch this team, hopefully later in the season, once they've had a few bad losses and their offense has been exposed, so we can finally see Trey Lance get his uh, NFL debut. I'm super excited to watch him play, and I think he should be starting right now in the 49ers. Well, maybe that's something that happens. We see this Niners team start to crash and burn in the next few weeks, and they say, okay, this is why we went out and got Trey Lance. He's the only quarterback that we have not seen out of the first round to have any kind of performance yet so we've seen him play a couple of plays but definitely the least compared to the rest of the guys i'll be all for it that would be awesome all right let's go to mason now with the fantasy packer stash great segment of the week yes let's go ahead and kick it off last week went relatively well hit big on tom brady and noah fant and then we did a good job fading miles sanders and dallas goddard I did swing in this with AD with only one catch last week. I thought he was going to go crazy. Whatever. You can try and predict the future. It's impossible. But with that said, let's get started. On the quarterback side, we are going to cast Justin Fields. You are getting a bargain for $5,200 DraftKings dollars. When a quarterback's a dual threat, you've got such a high floor that even if you're not able to throw the ball and he's going to struggle through the air against the Cleveland defense, He's going to carry the ball at least 10 times. And we saw that last week with Jalen Hurts, who absolutely struggled, completing about 50% of his passes for 190 yards with no touchdowns through the air. But he had around 80 or 90 rushing yards and a touchdown, scored over 20 fantasy points. And this is something we could see with Justin Fields. He's got a better arm than Hurts. Yes, Cleveland's a good defense, but he should be able to run the ball and get you a lot more points than you should if you're paying 5,200 for your quarterback. On the other end, we're going to stash a guy who can't run for his life, and that's Tom Brady at 6800 That is way too expensive. Look what happened when he played the Rams last year. He had all of his weapons, including AD, threw for only 216 yards, two touchdowns, and had two interceptions. He's going to do nothing on the ground. 
He's going to struggle through the air. This is going to be a slower-paced game. So Brady is just not going to get you the points that you need at 6,800. I think Fields outscores him at 5,200. On the running back side, this dude that we're going to cash, you're obviously going to start him, but I have to bring him up because it's a steal. Austin Eckler is only 7,200 DraftKings dollars. And this is a guy who I think could have the most points at running back this week. I mean, teams against the Chiefs have been able to do whatever they wanted on the ground. And the Chiefs are going to be in control of this game, which means this is going to be a negative game script for the Chargers. And what does that mean? Lots of dinking and dumping to Austin Eckler. He could easily have like 10 catches this week. And if he just scores one touchdown, you're looking at 25 fantasy points. He's at least a top five play for me this week. So on the other side, we are going to stash Josh Jacobs. He is, for some reason, 6,200 on DraftKings. He's not even 100%, might not even play this week. But if he does, he should be nowhere near your lineup. You've got Kenyon Drake, who's catching passes. And yet, Josh Jacobs is the 11th-ranked running back on DraftKings right now. You've got guys like Antonio Gibson, DeAndre Swift, Tyson Williams, and Chase Edmonds all below Josh Jacobs that I would easily start over him. For wide receivers, we are going to cash the number one wide receiver on Jacksonville, Marvin Jones Jr. at 4,900 DraftKings dollars. And here's why. The over-under for this game is 52. We get it, Trevor Lawrence hasn't looked great, but there are going to be points in this game. Jacksonville is going to be playing from behind. There's going to be garbage time yards to be had. And Marvin Jones has 20 targets so far this year. LaVishka Chenault, their other big weapon, is shaken up. So this means Jones is going to get looks, he's going to get yards, and maybe even a touchdown, and that's great value for $4,900. For the stash, this is contingent that Carson Wentz does not play. And we are stashing Michael Pittman at $5,500. He's already gotten a lot of hype this week from fantasy experts because they're going against the Tennessee defense, which is dead last against wide receivers. But I don't care how good your defense is when your quarterback is going to be Brett Hundley or Jacob Eason. Brett Hundley, in every game that he started, has averaged around 180 passing yards. So when you're paying 5,500 for a guy, even if he gets a third of the target share, which is greater than average, you're only going to be looking at around 60 yards. And that's just not something you can count on. For tight end, I don't know how this guy is not more expensive. TJ Hawkinson at 5,200. Let me read you his stats this season. 20 targets, 16 receptions, 163 yards, two touchdowns. He's going up against the Baltimore Ravens. And Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey have exposed them. Hawkinson, I'm not saying he's quite at their level, but he's knocking on the door. He was a top 10 pick, and he is the number one receiver on Detroit. This is going to be another negative game script game. This is the value of all values. Give me some hot. On the other end, we are going to stash Gronk at 5,500 DraftKings dollars. Mike, you're a sustainability major, right? Yeah. Two touchdowns in every game. Is that sustainable? We'll see. Probably not against the Rams. No, it's not sustainable. Thank you, Mike. Last year when he went up against the Rams, he had two catches for 25 yards. He only had more than three catches once in the last eight games of last season. Touchdown regression is coming. 
Brady is going to struggle this game. Gronk should not be the third most expensive tight end. Please, please, please temper your expectations and get him away from your lineup. And with that, this has been the week three edition of Cap or Stat. All right. Well, if you're taking Mason for every single word he has, yeah. I wish you the best of luck. Definitely some great takes and analogies in there, as always. I did walk under a ladder earlier today, so maybe tread lightly. Oh, man. That's uh, <laughs> probably something that you did not want to tell our listeners, but that's okay. <laughs> Let's wrap it up with some bold predictions, as always. As we alluded on Monday, Mason and I went 2-0 with our bold predictions. I would be shocked if two of the four of us got our bold predictions right this week, but we'll go for it anyways. I'm going to start off. My bold prediction is that, and this is this is a big one, because I know we've, we've said a lot of things on this podcast about this. I think, in the shootout that it should probably be, Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars will not win will not win, but they will scare Arizona quite a lot. Their defense was exposed last week, and I think this is the game where Trevor Lawrence maybe gets a second or two to think and gets his passes off in time. I know that, Mason, you said you're big on Marvin Jones in this in this game in general. I think maybe James Robinson actually gets the touches he deserves, and I, I would be shocked if it happened seeing Jacksonville win that game, but... I think this is the best chance that Trevor Lawrence has to prove himself on a massive, massive spotlight. Okay, my bold take, I don't agree with Josh's right there. I think it was horrible. Trevor Lawrence threw for 35, 36 yards after the first drive of the game, which is a bold statistic for Trevor Lawrence. Um, but I've, I've been going through the games and trying to find the bold predictions. Really challenging, but the one I'm going to go with is... The Bengals are going to go to Pittsburgh and win the football game. They are going to go to Heinz Field and win. Joe Burrow looked so bad last week against the Bears. Threw three picks on three straight throws, which I don't advise any quarterback doing that in the NFL. doesn't usually work out for you. But I like this Bengals team to win, not because I like the Bengals, because I hate the Steelers, and I don't think they're very good. And Ben Roethlisberger should go into an early retirement home and stop playing football. No offense to him, he's had a great career, but his time is up. It's time for the young quarterback to take over the NFL, and Joe Burrow is going to go to Heinz Field and win against the Steelers on Sunday. I'm going to piss one of us off and make another person very happy. I have the Bears going into Cleveland and beating the Browns. God. I think Justin Fields brings a completely different dynamic to the offense to elevate it to a level that the Bears haven't seen in years past. And I think Justin Fields is going to shock the world on an enormous stage in his first NFL start and prove to everybody that he is the guy in Chicago. Well, now our hot take record has to be less than 100%. Because if that happens, I will be so sad. But good for Justin Fields, maybe, I guess. So my original bold prediction was the Packers going to go into San Francisco and beat the 49ers. seems like everyone is in agreement here that that's going to happen. So we're going to go even bolder with another team and another topic we've talked about a lot on this pod. I think Jacoby Brissett and the Dolphins are going to go into Vegas and win this game. Jacoby Brissett is a very solid quarterback. He's got the weapons he needs to put up points against a porous Vegas defense. Watch out for Miles Gaskin to have one of those games where 
he just burst back onto the fantasy radar, and everyone's like, why have I not been starting this guy? And then the Raiders and Derek Carr maybe fall back down to earth and lose a game. And that could be a sign of things to come for Vegas. But Miami gets back on the right track here with Jacoby Brissett and wins this game. All right, I'm going to close this up. Great pod, gents. One thing I would like to say, our good friend and amazing insight man, Drew Greenberg, sent us a graphic within the last few minutes. Something that I highlighted on the pod, and I'm going to bring up again specifically for this evening, the fact that three consecutive times, Terod Taylor has been replaced by the elite quarterback of that team's future, being replaced by Josh Allen on the Bills, Baker Mayfield on the Browns, Justin Herbert on the Chargers, and Davis Mills tonight with the Houston Texans. Do the Texans have the shot to take down Carolina right here, right now? Could be another really hot take that we throw on this pod. Thanks for tuning in today. Had a great time, and see you on Monday for a breakdown of this week's action.